Hello and welcome to episode 247 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always joined by Evan Silva. We have actual NFL football to digest. We have hot takes to make. We just reviewed the NFC on today's show. We'll be reviewing AFC team by team. Evan, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, my brother is getting married uh, this weekend, so I should probably say that I'm going to be out uh, on the uh, the Friday show and the, and the the Sunday morning show, but um, the matchups will be posted. And um, you know, sorry, I have to do this, but you know this is a once in a lifetime thing. Oh. I, I got to be there, I guess. No need to apologize. Don't sound so regretful. Shout out to Drew. It's Drew Silva that's getting yes. married, correct? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Shout out no, to Drew. I'm very excited for him. <laughs> I can tell you're very excited for him. <laughs> shout out shout out to Drew. Congrats on the sex, man. Good luck with everything from everybody here at ETR. Um, yeah, Friday night show, Evan will be replaced by Leone. So if you want to go from football guy takes to peak virgin takes, tune in Friday night. It will be me, Leone, and Wiggins on the Friday night show this week. On today's show, each Tuesday this season, Evan and I will be going team by team, as I said, through the AFC, highlighting important things that we saw from a fantasy perspective, key takeaways. Before we get into it, two things. First, if you have not subscribed to our in-season package yet, you are missing the overwhelming majority of our content. And really, in my opinion, the best parts of our content. We do have weekly options now if you just want to try it out for a week. We have monthly options now if you just want to try it out for a month. Second, this show is brought to you by our friends at Picks. PrizePix is essentially a DFS platform that specializes in player props. They already have props up for Sunday week two, which is insane. They're making their own market. Shout out to them for doing that. And I think we can pick off some really, really soft stuff. If you want to give them a try this week, they have 100% instant sign up bonus up to $100 if you use promo code ETR. Again, promo code ETR at PrizePix.com to get the instant deposit bonus and the best deal. All right, let's get into it with the AFC here. Evan, Baltimore Ravens lost to the Las Vegas Raiders despite jumping out to a 14-0 lead. You know, I thought Tyson Williams was playing really well, at least as a runner. And I know he had pass protection problems, and I know there were some exchange issues. But, man, mm-hmm. he barely played late, and that was concerning because mm-hmm. they do still have Le'Veon Bell. They do have Devontae Freeman. They're obviously comfortable giving the ball to Latavius Murray. If they don't trust Tyson Williams in pass pro or in these exchanges – um, on the read option stuff. I don't know how much Tyson can play. So I don't know. What do you think out of Tyson? And what do you think out of, Ra- out of the Ravens? Yeah, I mean, I thought he did look good um, in, in the receiving game as a receiver and as a rusher, especially, of course, on that third. I mean, he looked shot out of the cannon mm-hmm. uh, on a couple of his runs up the middle. But yeah, I, I think that, you know, you could tell in the second half that they were having trust issues with him. It, it seemed to me that it might have started on this play along the sideline where he like fumbled the ball. He was like out of bounds, uh, but it was like, it was a bad looking fumble. And that's something like the coaches might see and be like, Oh, you know, and it was a close game at that time. And uh, they wound up going with Latavius who didn't look very good, you know, not surprisingly because he just got cut out of a thin saints depth chart. Their offensive line was problematic. I mean, Max Crosby spanked Ali Villanueva uh, the Ravens right tackle, and they might have to go back to the drawing board there. Um, but I, the Ravens didn't look like a very good team all in all. I did like the way that they uh, defensively, I mean, they they gave Derek Carr all kinds of time throughout the game. Um, 
You know, I, I think that uh, the way that they used Marquise Brown, though, was promising. They had him running a lot of like drags and crossers and just get, you know, trying to get the ball in his hands on the move. And he wound up having a pretty nice night. Yeah, for sure. Better days ahead, I think, for the Ravens. Obviously, the two fumbles from Lamar changed the outlook of the game. Buffalo Bills. It turned out that Matt Breida beat out Zach Moss for the backup job. Zach Moss was inactive for this game still. It's not a big role. Like, Devin Singletary had a reasonable game, but it's just not a big role. Matt Breida only played 10 snaps. He was up, I think, to be on the punt return team and give Singletary a little bit of support. Also, as expected, Manny Sanders well ahead of Gabe Davis. Manny Sanders, 58 routes in this game. Gabe Davis just, quote-unquote, just still a lot, but 37 routes. They obviously are going to play a ton of three-wide and four-wide sets. What do you see out of the Bills? Yeah, they are very disappointing opener. They got out-coached and out-game-planned by the Steelers. The Steelers uh, decided – the Steelers have been very, very blitz-heavy heavy in recent years. They didn't blitz at all. They gave, like, the, the lightest box in terms of number of defenders uh, assigned to, you know, playing up um, against the line of scrimmage uh, in the league in week one, and they dropped a ton of dudes into coverage. They had Minka Fitz, uh, Fitzpatrick assigned to Cole Beasley in the slot. He made a bunch of big plays. And they just kind of frustrated and discombobulated um, Josh Allen. And he, he did not even, was, he was not comfortable in this game. And they got pressure with their front four too. I mean, they did not have to blitz to get pressure. So mm-hmm. it was, it was the best of, of all worlds uh, for the Steelers defense, you know, kind of talk, talk some smack about them that their defense wouldn't be as good this year, that they were a bad team. And they, they put it down my throat there. Um, but I, I think that the Bills are, are going to get it back together. I trust Brian Dable to um, to get things figured out. They are they are probably going to have to um, you know show the threat of the run in some in some ways uh, to make sure that defenses don't continue to copy that blueprint um, because that was you know they they definitely frustrated Josh Allen. Yeah, and I mean, I, in Week 17 last year, the Steelers played all backups, no starters. And Baker Mayfield and the Browns offensive starters all played. And the Steelers backups gave Baker and the Browns fits. Like, it might just be a scheme thing. And so I know they were missing a lot of guys. But still, I mean, the Steelers defense, just from a scheme perspective and the way they're coached, I think they're going to be good no matter who's out there. Obviously, they overcame the injuries they had and played very well against Josh Allen. Again, much better days ahead for Josh Allen. Still really optimistic on this offense. By the way, Emmanuel Sanders played more snaps than Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley. Yeah. I mean, he is an every down player in this offense. Um, I know he didn't have a huge week one, but I mean, I think as long as he's you know playing that kind of a role, he's going to mix in some big games. Yep, for sure. Cincinnati Bengals, you know, the storyline was Jamar Chase all preseason. He's dropping the ball. He can't get open. He sucks. Turns out 90% of the snaps, 31 routes on 32 Joe Burrow dropbacks, led the team in target share at 26%, catches a long touchdown on a vertical route, 5-1-0-1-1. Really good debut for Jamar Chase, what did you think out of the Bengals? And I guess the other big storyline was Joe Mixon. And, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking about this all offseason. I mean, there was no doubt in my mind Joe Mixon was going to have the Gio Bernard role and his normal base role. What did you see out of the Bengals? Well, I think that the most pro- maybe the most promising thing that we saw here, and, and the offensive line still wasn't good. I mean, Burrow got sacked like five times on 29 dropbacks against Minnesota, but was – that Joe Burrow looked really comfortable um, and he was extremely efficient. I mean, he played really good football against Minnesota and, you know, the reports out of training camp 
and, you know, the way that the team looked in preseason, et cetera, et cetera, uh, you know, that you, you might not have expected that in week one. But that's good news for everybody. That's good for Joe Mixon, who has a true every down role now. It's great news for Jamar Chase. Um, it's good news for T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Um, because, as you know, this, I mean, he is the orchestrator of this offense. And they, they really, I think they were trying to like really limit him. They had what the lowest pass rate, uh, below expectation yeah. in the league. Crazy. In, in week one. Um, you know, this is a passing team. And, and once they, once the coaches see that, you know, Joe Burrow is comfortable in the pocket coming back from that injury, remember it happened in week 11 last year. It was not one of these, you know, like Barkley or even Cortland Sutton that happened early last season. It happened late in the year. It, once they, they see that Joe Burrow trusts his knee, um, I think that they'll open it up and, and that'll be good for everybody. When Joe Burrow was healthy last year, you can make a case that the Bengals were the most aggressive team from a passing perspective. Like the first 10 weeks of last year, nobody was more aggressive than the Bengals. So to see them come out and be dead last in pass rate over expectation week one is a little concerning. But like Evan said, I'm optimistic the way they're going to play going forward is more pass-centric. Cleveland. I was shocked Odell Beckham didn't play, man. I mean, all the reports out of Cleveland had Odell just dominating, ready to go. I was absolutely floored Odell Beckham didn't play. Anthony Schwartz and Donovan Peoples-Jones kind of rotated in, but obviously they're going to use three tight ends. They're going to use Jarvis Landry, plenty of their news, Kareem Hunt. In the past game, not really a big deal. Nick Chubb had a big-time game, man, and this is what we were talking about. We have a Nick Chubb fade on in season long, but if he scores two touchdowns obviously every game, it's going to be a problem. But man, you can see why it's a problem to, take Kareem, to rely on Nick Chubb every week. Kareem Hunt stole a goal line carry and got a touchdown. I mean, Nick Chubb only had 70% of the running back carries. He doesn't even have that full role, and then he's only going to catch one or two balls each game. So I, I don't want to keep talking bad things about Nick Chubb. Dude is an absolute beast. He's gonna, he could easily lead the entire NFL in, in rushing touchdowns this year, but he's going to have to keep doing this crazy efficiency, and maybe he will. What did you see out of the Browns, Evan? Yeah, they got so many guys involved. I mean, you just look at their box score. Like, so many different guys caught a pass. A bunch of dudes had carries. Um they were really distributing it. I mean, Kevin Stefanski is feeling it right now. They were so close to upsetting Can uh, the Chiefs in Kansas City. It's a really, really tough thing to do. Um, came down to the last per, uh, uh, possession. Um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like a, a real issue with Odell. I mean, he apparently went to the coaching staff, and he was coming off the, the torn ACL, which I think it happened, what, week four, week seven, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um and he said, I like, I'm not ready to go. And that's concerning, like for his outlook going forward, they got the Texans next, they should be at home, they should be able to beat the Texans without Odell. So I might, you know, I might be expecting to not see Odell in week two either. And then it's just going to be a week by week thing. By the way, David Njoku, and I know he only had a few catches, but man, he is a really, really talented dude. Yeah. Um and he's going to make life difficult for Austin Hooper trying to be any, any kind of a factor. It's just, they're, they're getting so many guys involved. Jarvis Landry, by the way, who dealt with that hip, the, the complications from that hip surgery last year, he looked awesome out yeah. in the open field. Um, I, I think that Jarvis Landry is looks, looks very undervalued right now. Denver Broncos. This one was sad, man, because I started taking Jerry Judy in round eight or round nine before this, the summer was over. Jerry Judy was going in like round five. And I thought he was going to, I mean, he played well in the first half. Teddy looked awesome. He was going to have a huge year, Jerry Judy. And now high ankle sprain. He says he'll be back. They say he'll be back four, three, four, five weeks, something like that. 
I don't know, man. We, we've seen high ankle sprains. If they're bad, it can be really, really bad and kind of tank your whole season. I have major concerns about Jerry Judy even when he comes back. And I have concerns that, that Corlin Sutton is ready to carry a big load also, which brings us to the Tim Patrick conversation. Tim Patrick's not a burner, but Tim Patrick can play, man, and, and maybe with the best number four wide receiver in the entire NFL. He'll get a big chance now. What do you think about Patrick as a waiver ad and anything else on the Broncos? Yeah, I've always loved Tim Patrick. Um, you know, he's a guy who went undrafted out of uh, Utah, I believe, but big time athlete. He had some great tape in college against big time, you know, first round cornerbacks. Like he gave Odori Jackson when Utah played USC all that Odori Jackson could handle. Um, he is, uh, you know, he, he registered really high in terms of sparks. Some um, teams like took flyers on him, smart teams took flyers on him but he couldn't stay healthy during training camp. Like the Ravens took a flyer on him. He finally stuck in Denver and now he's going to be their number two receiver. People are going to think it might be KJ, KJ Hamlin. No, it's going to be Tim Patrick. And he might even be their number one. If Cortland Sutton, um, and who was not productive in week one, if Cortland Sutton is, isn't ready to go and, and grab that number one receiver job back, it, it could absolutely be Tim Patrick. And then KJ Hamler is going to remain the slot receiver. They they still, even after losing Jerry Judy, they've got a number of weapons. Uh Albert O uh, mm-hmm. made a made a, a, a or scored in the in the in the end zone. Noah Fant looked really good um in week one. Teddy looked awesome yep. in week one. And they left some yards on the field. He could have had like an even bigger day. Um, but you know, this is a guy that you know George Patton, the new uh, Broncos GM had in Minnesota. Pat Shermer, the OC, has worked with Teddy before. And this is why they chose him over Drew Locke. He committed zero turnovers. I think he took, what, maybe one or two sacks, but he was highly efficient and comfortable in the offense and against a pretty good defense in the Giants. Yep. Other thing I'd say about Denver, I mean, dead even split between Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. They each played 33 snaps. They each had about 15 touches, 20 routes versus 15. Like they were used almost identically. Melvin Gordon had the big run, but their usage was almost identical down the middle. Houston Texans, what a win, man. I mean, not even a question. They just spanked the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mark Ingram, 26 carries is not something I thought was like in the realm of possibility ever this season. I mean, 26 carries for Mark Ingram. I don't have a lot to say here. They're going to Cleveland this week. And I I don't know. I mean, obviously I think that they're going to get smashed, but they played really well in week one. Anything on the Texans? They used four, actually five, no, four different backs. I mean, they even got Rex Burkhead in there. So it was just like the Jaguars are just such a disaster. It looks like. And so the Texans were able to kind of punk them. Brandon Cooks, you looked awfully good. Pharaoh Brown, they got like Pharaoh Brown out here making plays for the Texans against the Jaguars. I mean, I think that it's it's one of those situations like last year when the Jaguars beat the Colts and there was like, oh, could the Jaguars be like better than we thought? And then they went out, went on to be the worst team in the league like everybody expected them to be. I think it's probably a similar situation here. Um, but I mean, hey, hats off to them. They, they, they played well. Indianapolis Colts, really disappointing disappointing result for Michael Pittman. I mean, I thought that Carson Wentz would not target the running backs at the same rate that Phillip Rivers did, but Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines were clearly priorities for mm-hmm. Carson Wentz. They led the team in targets. Michael Pittman only saw four targets, I believe. That was disappointing. Blow to the Bible narrative, of course. But yeah, I mean, you know, 
Colts, I think, have a lot of issues right now. What do you see out of their loss to the Seahawks? Well, their offense has been built around having a great offensive line. And injuries have scuttled that because Eric Fisher is not ready to go at left tackle. Quentin Nelson is playing at less than than 100%. And then Braden Smith, their right tackle, who they just paid a lot of money, uh, he apparently suffered a foot injury that they're, quote-unquote, monitoring uh, Mm -hmm. entering week two. And, um, you know, so that, that's, an, that's an issue for them right now. I mean, they, they, again, this team has been built around that. Jacksonville Jaguars, we just talked about. I mean, I've said it for a while now. I mean, Urban Meyer, if he lasts one season in Jacksonville, I'd actually be surprised. I mean, I just don't think that he is really knows what he's doing. And one of those factors is all the James Robinson truths. I mean, if you say one bad thing about James Robinson this summer on Twitter— the James Robinson people are just all over you. Like it was personal. All I was saying, all we were saying, and why we had a big James Robinson fade on was that he wasn't going to get 85, 90% of the running back touches again. That Urban Meyer is a donkey who plays Ohio State guys and Carlos Hyde went to Ohio State. That's all we were saying. And in the first game, Carlos Hyde, I mean, James Robinson only got 36% of the carries. Now, James Robinson was the every down pass down back when they were trying to, you know, run their hurry up or whatever. James Robinson was out there. He got six targets. That's great. That's great. But James Robinson is not going to get a majority of the base work. Like Carlos Hyde is in there. He's the guy. And I know James Robinson people are tilting right now. It just is what it is. I think your best hope right now, if you took James Robinson in the fourth round, which hopefully nobody listening to this did, your best hope is that Jacksonville is absolutely atrocious and James Robinson does get six targets a game because that's certainly possible too. But anyways, Trevor Lawrence did make his NFL debut what'd you see out of the Jaguars yeah I'm gonna have to take the L here on the on the Jags because I thought that you know Trevor Lawrence and Daryl Bevel uh, who has like a a long you know solid track record as an OC that these guys would keep this thing afloat but you know it's it's as it's as bad as as the the detractors expected here uh, in Jacksonville I I, you know uh, a bunch of uh, or the the Jaguars had a, a ton of targets for DJ Shark and Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chenault, but Trevor Lawrence dropped back to pass 51 times or uh, 52 times. And I don't know if that's going to happen on a weekly basis. Yeah. Carlos Hyde out touches James Robinson. Um, I don't know. They played Denver in week two and, you know, much better defense than they faced in Houston and they struggled against Houston. So I, I don't know. I, this is a tough offense right now to invest in. Yep. The garbage time stuff is going to be good though, man. Like I could see Lawrence out there just slinging it in garbage time like he did. I had Marvin Jones in cash and kind of sucked out late with that touchdown, which was good. Kansas City Chiefs, really good usage for both CEH and Nicole Hardman, but like it's so concentrated. And I talked about this on the solo pod for a little bit. Kansas City is so concentrated that like, if you're not Tyreek and you're not Kelsey, it just feels really hard to consistently have big games. Hardman ran 38 routes. I mean, he was ran a route on almost every single one of Patrick Mahomes' dropbacks, but only three targets from Nicole Hardman. CEH played 47 snaps, ran 28 routes. Jerry McKinnon hardly played, but still, CEH, it's hard for him to have a big game because everything goes to Kelsey and Tyreek. That doesn't mean that CEH and Hardman won't have big games this year because they will with Patrick Mahomes. It's just going to be really hard to predict them. I think what you see out of the Chiefs comeback win against the Browns. Yeah, it was good to see Edwards Hilaire out there on almost every snap. You know, just last year, I mean, even in the Super Bowl, Daryl Williams played 55% of the uh, Chiefs running back snaps. Edwards Hilaire only 45%. But they clearly have gained a level of trust in CEH. 
I just think he looks pretty ordinary as a player. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that he can't be highly productive, um, you know, in, in better game scenarios than this one going forward. But he just looks pretty average out there. Yeah. Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, Darren Waller got 19 targets in this game. It was insane. And and he left some stuff on the field, too, with a couple throws behind him from Derek Carr. But Darren Waller just... He had eight I mean, in the first quarter. And, and uh, you know, I know you were on a bit of an island early in the process having Waller ahead of Kittle. I mean, the volume is just going to be... I mean, God, Darren Waller... You might, ha- might have twice as many targets as George yeah. Kittle this season. It's going to be insane. Uh, speaking of targets, I mean, Henry Ruggs, great athlete, really fast. Dude just cannot draw targets. 14 NFL games now, zero games with five or more targets. And Derek Carr dropped back like 60-something times on Monday night, and, Der- and Henry Ruggs still only had five targets. Brian Edwards led the team in routes. Still not an every-down dude as they're kind of rotating Zay Jones in. A little bit, what you see out of the Raiders, good win for them coming back from 14 points down early to beat the Ravens in a wild game in overtime. Yeah, and Ruggs, who had problems with like knee problems last year, he limped off at one point within you know after banging his knee, and mm-hmm. I mean it looks like he can't really hold up physically. Uh, and then and Josh Jacobs, I mean, how many times did he limp off the field? I mean, yeah, this is why the the Raiders keep you know putting other backs around him in in the in the backfield because he you know some people. Why do you think there are so few true bell cows in the NFL? Because it's really freaking hard. You know, it's a hold up to 300 plus touches and stay healthy. And Josh Jacobs has struggled to do it. And he wound up splitting time almost evenly with Kenyon Drake, who looked looked fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I expect that I, I think it'll be more 60 40 in, in favor of Josh Jacobs. But if you had him in week one, I mean, you got lucky that he wound up scoring twice because, I mean, he's in a timeshare backfield. I, this is another situation where, you remember last year he scored, what, three touchdowns in week one, and he was the most obvious sell. I think he's a sell again um, because they, they're, there's going to be a lot of Kenyon Drake used this, this year. Oh, yeah. I mean, Kenyon Drake was the man on pass downs and in passing situations, which the Raiders were in a ton of on Monday night. Chargers, man, it, it, it was impressive. Like, going against that defense on the road. And Justin Herbert was so aggressive. I mean, he attempts 47 passes, goes for 337 yards and wasn't checking down at all. I don't think Austin Eckler had a target in this game. I mean, Justin Herbert was just pushing the ball down the field, down the field, down the field. Dude's going to have a huge year. And I have a fade on on Justin Herbert in best ball in season long, but I'm scared, man, because he did. I mean, he went into Washington and had absolutely no problem shredding. And he's so, so, so aggressive. Obviously, Keenan Allen is a straight, straight baller disappointing two disappointing things for me for the chargers though one donald parham i mean god donald parham 13 routes on 49 justin herbert dropbacks i mean that's not going to do it for the big dick don parham and also josh palmer i thought josh palmer would open the season as a number three josh palmer only ran eight routes jalen guyton ran 37 routes for the chargers i hope that changes but yeah i mean jalen guyton went 349 zero on five targets Josh Palmer only saw one target, one catch for 17 yards. All in all, though, a lot to talk about with the Chargers. I mean, the Eckler stuff, too. What do you see out of them? Yeah, lot, lots of encouraging stuff. I mean, Eckler, you know, he came into the game with that hamstring. Um, you know, he was limited a little bit. Roundtree, Larry Roundtree, the, I think he's a six-round rookie. He was the clear number two back ahead of Justin Jackson. Uh, there were there, uh, The Chargers, you know, they remade their offensive line 
during the offseason. And that, that doesn't always go smoothly out the gate. Like Kansas City's offensive line was remade during the offseason. And I think that they, you know, they got beat up uh, by Cleveland in week one. That was not the case against Washington for the Chargers offensive line. Uh, Rayshon Slater looks like, I mean, I think he allowed zero pressures on like 62 snaps in week one. Uh, Justin Herbert was sacked just twice among 49 dropbacks and was hit only five times among 49 dropbacks. That, that's what you want to see. He was, Justin Herbert was lights out. I love the way that they used Mike Williams. If you look at his route chart on uh, next gen stats, you know, he's not just running like long go routes this year. They're, they're, they're giving him a lot more high percentage stuff. And he wound up uh, with almost as many targets as Keenan Allen, who had 13 and he had eight catches for 82 and a touchdown again, in a really difficult matchup. Um, I also, uh, Shield Capadia pointed out that their that the Chargers play action rate was really high under Joe Lombardi, who, you know, we, we had some trepidation about Joe Lombardi because he has been an OC before and he was very, very unsuccessful, uh, in Detroit, but we also wanted to trust Brandon Staley, who we know is really smart, the Chargers new head coach. And it looks like he did make a successful hire here. I think that just a very encouraging week one against a very difficult opponent. And now, and now uh, the Chargers have a, cup, a bunch of cupcakes all in a row. So I think that Herbert, we're, we're going to see some really big games here from Herbert. Yeah, they play Dallas in week two. And obviously from a DFS perspective, that's going to be the game that everybody is talking about and trying to figure out how to handle in week two will be Chargers and Cowboys. We'll talk about that on Friday night. Miami Dolphins, as we kind of saw in the preseason, three-man committee. And don't let people tell you preseason doesn't matter because hopefully you sunk Miles Gaskin down your board. He was, I think, an okay seventh or eighth round pick. But I mean, fifth round pick for Miles Gaskin, where he was going before all the preseason stuff happened, was really, really bad. Turned out Miles Gaskin, 29 snaps. Malcolm Brown, 16 snaps. Savan Ahmed, 11 snaps. Snap, 11 snaps. Savan Ahmed also ran eight routes. On the wide receiver front, Jalen Waddell, I thought, had a really good game for his NFL debut in a tough matchup. But Will Fuller will be back this week. And so they have their three wide receivers set now. Fuller, Waddell, Devontae Parker. Question will be, how much does Albert Wilson, how much other guys still mix in? We can talk about that more on Friday also. But what you see out of Miami's good win. I mean, good win over the New England Patriots. Yeah, I got fortunate uh, with the Damian Harris fumble late in the game. But mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, they, they, they booked the W. Uh, just... <laughs> Three-man rotation at RB, you know, like four-man rotation at tight end. I mean, Jasicki looks drop like a drop right now. I mean, mm -hmm. I'd probably give him a, another week or two, but Durham Smythe was like the clear number one. And then they were also using a Hunter Long, their rookie tight end, and then Seathan Carter. Like, they used four tight ends. And I think that the, the wide receiver situation uh, could go in the same direction with Will Fuller back, that they're, they're going to use four guys. Um, so I, I, I agree with you, though, that Waddle had a promising week one. Um, and I think that he'll be useful as like a wide receiver three slash flex. But this offense it doesn't have a lot of like fantasy starters. Yeah, no, they're just going to rotate in a lot of pieces for sure. Uh, and now they're getting Will Fuller back, as I mentioned. New England, you mentioned the Damian Harris fumble late. Now there's talk. Oh, is he going to get benched? Are they going to call up J.J. Taylor? Are they going to give Ramondre Stevenson more work because Damian Harris had this fumble that cost them the game? What do you think about that? And what do you think about Mac Jones' NFL debut? Yeah, I'm not going to try to predict that situation. It's uh, it's dicey. They could use J.J. Taylor. Um, you know, they could just use a ton of James White. 
Ramondre. I mean, R- R- Ramondre Stevenson also lost a fumble. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in week two. I don't, I don't think you'll be able to start any of them, like, with true confidence. Uh, I do think Damian Harris will be an RB2 play, just, you know, with a lower floor now. Uh, Mac Jones played really, really well. I mean, he carried his uh, success in the preseason over into week one and threw for 281 yards against, you know, a really strong pass defense at over seven yards per attempt. Uh, Aguilar had a nice game. You know, uh, James White, six catches. Jacoby Myers, six catches. Uh, that's, you know, that, that's, that's pretty good production against Miami. Yeah, I'd also say uh, James White, you know, like the thesis of the James White and best ball play was always that Mac Jones was going to get the job and he was going to check it down a ton to James White. And that played out a pretty decent amount in week one. New York Jets, much like the Dolphins, they're rotating a ton of guys. Tevin Coleman had nine touches. Ty Johnson played the most snaps, but he had five touches. Michael Carter had five touches. The Elijah Moore stuff, man. I mean, he was in such a great spot. Usage was good. He actually had a lot of air yards but ended up with only four targets, only 11% target share with no Jamison Crowder, who I think will get cleared from COVID. No Keelan Cole, who was a game-time decision, certainly has a chance to be back. I think the shakiest part was really Zach Wilson didn't look great, but again, I mentioned on the NFC pod, I think this Carolina defense has a chance to give some people problems this year. I think Zach Wilson can find softer spots, but certainly not a promising debut for him. What'd you see out of the Jets? Yeah, the protection was a big issue. And then Mekhi Becton went out, their stud, you know, 350 pounds, six foot eight left tackle. And he's going to be out like four to six weeks now. And right after he went out, like just the, the protection just went to, just went to shit. And, yeah. um, you know, after the game, Zach Wilson was like, man, I got like whiplash. I felt like I got hit by a truck. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, definitely a welcome to the NFL moment. Corey Davis though, again, yeah, for the preseason doesn't matter, folk. Uh, he showed that chemistry with Zach Wilson in the preseason. It carried over into week one. And Corey Davis right now, I mean, he's an every week fantasy starter. Oh, for sure. Such a beast. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, big story was Najee Harris. I mean, I expect him to play a ton. They didn't take him off the field. 58 offensive snaps for the Steelers. 58 offensive snaps for Najee Harris. Benny Snell, Kalen Blage did not even get into the game on offense. So that was really encouraging. I mean, no matter what you think of the offensive line, no matter what you think about Big Ben, the stat that correlates most to fantasy points at the running back position is snaps. And Najee Harris is going to play an absolute boatload of them this year. What do you think out of Big Ben? I mean, really good win for them up in Buffalo. Yeah, I think Big Ben isn't very good anymore. And the offensive line was, as advertised, not good. And that was really the biggest problem for Najee Harris. Again, we're going to bet long-term on Najee Harris overcoming the problems surrounding him in the Steelers' offense because of the usage. And we know that that correlates best to fantasy production, but in week one, uh, there's no doubt that the the uh, the environment around him worked against him, and that's why he wasn't very good in fantasy against Buffalo. Yeah. Last team we're going to get to in the AFC is the Tennessee Titans. I mean, I don't know what price you could have gotten on Chester Rogers leading the Tennessee Titans in receiving yards over A.J. Brown, over Julio Jones, but Chester Rogers finishes with four catches for 62 yards. A.J. had the touchdown to salvage the day, but was not good. Julio Jones was not good. I'm concerned that, like, this team isn't very good, and when they have to come from behind, it's a disaster. Like, Tannehill and Derrick Henry are not built to come from behind at all. So, like, if you had Tannehill stacks, when they got down big early, it was like, man, this could really work. Like, you have DeAndre Hopkins on one side, and you have Tannehill, A.J. Brown, Julio on the other. 
but they couldn't capitalize on all the garbage time against an Arizona defense, which is lacking talent in a big way. So I thought it was pretty concerning for the Titans here. What do you think? Yeah, it was concerning. It was it was horrible. Because um, they started out like help blocking the right tackle with a, a tight end. And then um, Taylor Luan, who they should be able to rely upon as, you know, a, a, one of the highest paid left tackles in the league, just gets his butt whipped by Chandler Jones. Um, they had the lowest play action rate in the league in week one after having the highest play action rate throughout last season. You know, the, we, again, we talked about the, you know, these offensive coordinator changes and like Joe Lombardi, it looks promising for him with the chargers. It does not look promising for Todd Downing who had one has one year under his belt as an offensive coordinator. It went really, really poorly for him with the 2017 Raiders. So I'm worried about that. I'm worried about the offensive line. Um, I mean, Julio didn't really get separation in week one. And then you got the coach, Mike Vrabel, calling him out after the game because he committed, you know, like a frustration penalty. Um, you know, I, we, we had the fade on, on the big dog. Uh, so that's looking good, I guess. But I, I really expected more out of all those guys in week one. And it was very discouraging. And they, they didn't even really test the Cardinals secondary uh, because they didn't even have the opportunity to. Yeah. Tough spot in week two at the Seahawks, but then they do play Colts, Jets, Jaguars. After that, do the Tennessee Titans. We've said it all about each AFC team. If you guys do not have a subscription to establish the run yet, I can assure you, you are missing out in a big way on both football information and sex jokes. For producer Luke, for Evan, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. (laughs) 